When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk as we look back at all the predictions we got wrong for 2021 and ahead to the ones we'll get wrong in 2022. This is a Market Down Monday recap edition. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Lee Maurice and Stephen Means. Uh, we're on a scale of like one to 10. Do you guys feel like you would put your football knowledge? Because whatever you're about to guess, it's probably too high based on how we did predicting things last season. Well, I mean, football knowledge is one thing. Prediction ability is not exactly the same thing. My prediction ability, I've always assumed is like a two. But I I mean, I mean, I I think my football knowledge is a 2.5. So, right. I mean, like, that's you know, a, I gotta be, <laughs> that's a better way to say it, that it's, it's, it's one thing to know what you're uh, talking about. Another thing to be able to see the future. And I think as we go through this list, we're going to see some, it'll make sense why we got some things wrong, but we also got some things right. And uh, our textures were along for the ride and we're going to bring everybody back through this. Um, we have not started market down Monday this year, mostly because I've been gone and Doug was gone and Steven was gone. It's just been a more disjointed summer. But we are going to start those again very soon, probably starting this coming Monday. We started them as early as May 10th last year, though. And so I'm just going to go chronologically here. And uh, most of these actually had a result. There was only a couple where the result is not yet known. So we'll set those aside and come back to them in two or five or 20 years, whenever the actual result is known. How many are there? How many did you end up going through? Uh, I think there's like 14 or 15 here. Okay. And and I just would like to start off the top by giving ourselves credit for doing this before yes. we unveil our stupidity. How poorly we did. <laughs> Most, I don't think that it, that we are significantly stupider than most podcasts or sports writers, but we right now may be revealing it more than most people do because i don't know i don't know you watch first take i'm not sure they go back and say like hey by the way here's a thing we said nine months ago that was completely wrong i think what you get a lot of times with people who give their opinion in sports is they have no problem as doug is eating what is that something in peanut butter 
I um, muted myself so I could eat. In I know it's just like it just popped up on the screen. I know it just popped up on the screen and it it's was like so carrot. random. It's a, okay. it's a large carrot that I'm dipping in a jar of peanut butter. Okay, yeah. Sorry, it just caught me off guard because I just happened to look at your screen and it was just there. Um, most people only bring up their predictions when they're right, just to prove how smart they are. We do the honorable thing and also bring up when we're wrong. Yes, and I'm going to, I, I was as wrong as anybody on some of these predictions, and I'll make sure to point out a couple of instances where that was true. <clears throat> the first one we did is actually the one that from a chronological standpoint is maybe the most recently relevant for us, which was back on May 10th, we predicted how many OSU players will go in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Obviously, the only two who went in the first round of the NFL draft were Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. All three of us picked Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So I think that's an example of something that we got right, and we can take uh, some some uh, pleasure in that. Both Stephen and I also predicted Zach Harrison, who was not even in the NFL draft class in 2022. And Stephen also predicted Nicholas petit Frere. I don't know that that one tells us a whole lot, except that it's just it's it's further um, it, it further adds to the narrative of like the the waiting for the the big breakthrough that everyone still thinks could come for Zach Harrison, which going into last year we thought was maybe about to arrive, and that and his five star status and all those other things are not really things he ever campaigned for, but he still keeps getting judged against our own expectations of him. Fair or not? I think that one was also they were the way they were talking about Zach Harrison also played into that. Cause I think we, we've gone over this one before. It's we had talked to him multiple times, coach day, uh, Larry Johnson. They were all talking about how big of an off season he had had. He ended up being a captain that year. So it made sense why a guy with that recruiting pedigree going into year three, we would predict him to be a first round draft pick. But I did not predict you him. Did not. You did I just have two? Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. You were, we're the most we're burying right. the lead here. No, I wasn't the most right. I was right. That's not most right. It's not like I was the closest. Listen, but while we're also revealing all the times we're wrong, let's make sure we don't bury the lead on the beginning of that one should have been, let's start with May 10th or whatever the date was. Doug was right. Doug nailed it. I'm not so sure that, and again, I have a terrible memory. Part of my rationale, I think we had a discussion of maybe Zach Harrison's not even in the draft. And I think that might have factored into like why I didn't predict that, for instance. So. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I did not go back because, as I said on uh, yesterday's podcast, I have not been keeping a, a running tally of all these, which will change when we do it here in the next coming weeks. I had to go back and listen to all the podcasts last year. Some of them I actually did keep the notes in my notes folder here. So I was able to kind of to go back and, and figure out the what we predicted based on that. But sometimes I had to go back and actually listen to the podcast, and I'm not going to listen to an hour and a half each time. I had to kind of skip around. So you might be right, Doug, that that might have been your rationale at the time. I, I think especially in the case of Nicholas Petit Frere, I understand why Stephen would have predicted that going into the season. And um, But I think we also saw firsthand why he was not a first-round pick over the course of that year. Just that's the way things work out. I think what's more interesting to look back sometimes than the than the predictions we made, though, is the discussions we had. So I'm going to move ahead to May 17th, which was a discussion we had where we said, just to be clear, the first one, I was exactly right. Right. That's where we are right, right now. All right. Yeah, I have to go. Good luck with you guys <laughs> finishing this pod. You want to make sure you say 100%, huh? <laughs> Hold yeah. on to that thought and let it go on top. 
Let me keep you warm and safe as I get into this next one. On May 17th, will Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson put up better numbers for 2021? We each predicted who would lead in receptions, yards, or touchdowns. Uh, Doug, you predicted Wilson touchdown, Wilson receptions, Olave yards, Wilson touchdowns. I predicted Olave leading in all three. Steven, you predicted Wilson receptions, Olave yards. And actually, we were predicting who on the whole team would lead. Uh, Steven, do you remember who you predicted would lead Ohio State in touchdown receptions? Because this is market uh, Monday and we're talking about how wrong we are, I'm going to say that I predicted Jeremy Ruckert. You did. You predicted Jeremy Ruckert would lead Ohio yep. State in touchdowns. That's the only reason why you would ask me that question. So, so those of us who picked those of you who picked Wilson leading receptions were correct. Those of you who predicted Chris Olave to lead in touchdowns, which was me, <laughs> were correct. Well, let's not let's drop this. In. The reason we're doing this is not to go over what happened. People know what happened. We're going over who was right. Let's stop with the those of you. R- remind us who had it right and who had it wrong. Doug and Steven picked Wilson in receptions. They were correct. I picked Olave in touchdowns. I was correct. Nobody else got any of the others correct because we were saying things like, because I put out a poll. I put out a poll to the texters where they could pick from basically any of the three known starting receivers and other to lead in these categories. And Doug, since you want us to name names, Doug said, if you pick Jackson Smith and Jigba to lead Ohio State in receptions, that's crazy. You also said, if anybody answered Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'd like to hear the explanation for it beyond it's the slot receiver and they throw to the slot receiver. And obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba led this team in both receptions and yards. That's beautiful because that's literally the exact reason why he led this team in both receptions and yards because he's a slot receiver and Ohio State throws to the slot receiver. And, and sometimes we said things that were correct, but they were an understatement, such as we were having a discussion if Olave or Wilson would both top 1,500 yards, and we all said neither of them would do that. Mm. But Stephen did say, quote, Jackson might steal some of those yards, which turned out to be the understatement of 2021, because Jackson Smith Jigba was the one of those three that went over 1,500 yards. He had 1,606. I really don't hold it against us that we didn't see Jackson Smith and Jigba having the greatest receiving season in Ohio state history. I think that's a fair assessment to not hold it against us. Well, yeah, I agree with that. 2020 messed up a lot of stuff. 20, that is part of this too. It's it, there's another uh, coming up. I'm going to have one where Doug and Steven, I'm sorry, Doug and uh, Tyler Shoemaker and I predicted some uh, over under win loss totals from both the big 10 and nationally. And it was, ugly and I reached out to Tishu about it and he said that you know he grimaced about it we're just having fun with it but also that 2020 did kind of skew how easy it was to predict things for 2021 in in some ways but I don't know if that's completely what happened with this this was just a a case of um just that's the way this offense developed that's the way this player developed and that's the way this quarterback developed too we also had when we're talking about last May, I mean, it was into August before CJ Stroud had actually been even acknowledged as the guy who was separating in the quarterback battle yet pulling away. And it was it, back in May, we didn't know who was going to be the quarterback of this team or how good yeah, they were going to be. But there's also an element of they just relied so heavily on what they knew in 2020 that it didn't necessarily open up room for anybody else from that receiver room to do much of anything. And so 
it was okay. It, it skewed us and going, why wouldn't they just do that again? Well, they would do it again because they're going to play more than eight games. And so they're going to have more opportunity for other guys to grow into roles in a way that, quite frankly, Jamison Williams didn't have the opportunity to do in 2020. And we didn't think about it in that perception just because they were bringing back the best two receivers in the Big Ten, potentially even the country at that point from perception standpoint. I think this also falls under the category of like the first market on Monday that we definitely don't need to do going into this year. Like who's going to lead Ohio state in receptions, yards and receiving touchdowns. Maybe receiving touchdowns. I guess we could have an argument about, is there any argument no, who's going to lead them in receptions and yards? No, no. Mecca no. Boca. No, I'm joking. I, I, could, I would listen to an argument about Marvin Harrison jr. Just being a red zone target and all that stuff, but I would still probably I, pick Jackson Smith to Jigba. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously Ohio state, it's not perception. They did have, two of the best receivers in the country. The draft Mm -hmm. showed that. And the third guy led them in receiving yards. I would, it's one of those things, like all the things you can't predict. Jackson Smith and Jigba had 587 receiving yards in the two games that Garrett Wilson didn't play. So when you look at the overall stats, he had like 600 more receiving yards than Garrett Wilson on the season. And basically all of that came in the two games that Garrett Wilson didn't play. So, I mean, there's, but also we didn't know, nobody knew that on a team with two first round receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba was going to be so good that he warranted the number of receptions and yards and had the kind of season that he had. That was quite a thing. On May 24th, we predicted who will be Ohio State's next Heisman Trophy finalist. Do either of you remember who you picked? My answer to everything of does anybody remember is no. By the way, Jackson Smith and Jigba had 547 receiving yards in the two games that Garrett Wilson missed. For the year, Jackson Smith and Jigba had 548 more receiving yards than Garrett Wilson. It's beautiful. So in the games where they both were on the field, they were the same. Uh, I don't remember anything, so that's my answer to every one of the times you asked that. I'm just going to predict CJ. Well, I don't care what you're predicting now. I'm, no, I'm asking you. That's what you I'm saying. I'm, I'm thinking I, I think I predicted CJ. I predicted Trevion Henderson in 2023. Doug, you predicted Quinn Ewers 2024 and said something very prophetic at the time. Quote, it's a safe bet to say for someone he will be a Heisman Trophy finalist in 2024. Well, I don't know. He might, he, he might not even be in college football in 2024 now. Because he's draft eligible after next true. season. So that is that is Especially true. with we'll, Arch on the way. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, Steven, you were the one who got this right. CJ Stroud in 2021, you predicted would be the next Heisman Trophy finalist for Ohio State. He went to New York. He finished fourth, as everyone knows. And we were having a discussion about how, uh, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but how in 2020, uh, Trevor Lawrence had some early stumbles that took him out of the race based on, you know, you're, you come in with high expectations, you stumble a little bit, it takes you out. And C.J. Stroud had sort of the opposite. He had the early stumbles, and he was coming in with some expectations. He was his 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 like Heisman Trophy odds coming into the year were all right once it became clear that he was going to be the starter, and yet he was still able to surge back and and get to New York. And I'm it'll be interesting to see how the expectations game plays for the guys who are going to be competing for that trophy this year. That's a good pick by Stephen. I mean, to think that because you got to a point where it's like, what? Well, yeah only one person predicted CJ Stroud in 2021, but 
again, in May, that was far from a sure thing. So like to have that belief that CJ was going to have that kind of year is a good prediction. I'll give it the credit because I think the easier answer at that time would have just been whoever wins the quarterback battle just to play it safe. So it's like, well, we wouldn't have allowed yeah, We weren't going to let you do I that know. though. I yeah, put you name it on it. That's it's fair. marking it down. Mark, we, we mark it down in pen. Actually, if we did that, I wouldn't have had to go back through all of these, but figuratively we mark it back. <laughs> we mark it down in pen. Um, we got an Acast, which is now megaphone. <laughs> but, but you, you also, even when CJ Stroud struggled earlier in the year, you retained more belief that he was the right guy and was going to turn it around. When Doug and I were a little bit more, shouldn't we go, shouldn't they go see what Comic Accord's about? Like, are we mm. sure that they've got this right? Are we sure? And, 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 you know, the injury was a factor there, but if he's not healthy, shouldn't somebody else be playing quarterback? And you were the one who was still always a little bit more, you started to pull away from it maybe after the Tulsa game, but for the most part, you were still the one of the three of us who was the most, this is going to probably still turn out in Ohio State's favor. Maybe you didn't quite see Heisman finalist by the end of the year, but you you thought that there it was going to turn around. You know, he was still a lot better than I thought he would be in year one. But just yeah, I'll I'll, I'll continue to be that way in first year starting quarterback. Let's get through the first couple of weeks here and let those growing pins get out the way, and then let's have a, a better assessment of the kid. But yeah, I'll take that. Pat on the back for me. I'll, I'll be a little bit more humble about it though, because you know I have to be. You know. When you expect to be great. You're not caught off guard when, when it happens. Oh, oh, God. I might have to leave <laughs> this again. podcast. All right. Again, just, just again, pull that around you like a snuggly blanket and hope that it's also bulletproof because mm-hmm. here we go. May 31st, where will Ohio State be ranked in the preseason AP poll top 25? Steven, you predicted Ohio State would be number five. Doug and I predicted number four. Doug and I were correct. They were number four with one number one vote, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Head of them, national champion Georgia, number five. We were debating whether enough voters would know enough that Georgia would even be number five because we knew how much they mm. had coming back. Mm-hmm. And we were predicting really more where what we thought the vote was going to be more than where we would vote them. Uh, I uh, voted Clemson number one to start the year last year. That didn't go Ooh. well. And uh, it was sort of off to the off to the, the avalanche uh, at that point on, on my predictions for national stuff in 2021. You guys, everybody right now, we haven't, we'll probably do a market down Monday on this, but are you expecting Ohio State to be ranked higher than fourth to start this year? Oh, for sure. Yes. I mean, we all know what they're going to be. It's going to be Bamba yeah. 1 and Ohio State 2, and every yeah. single person in college football knows that. Yep. I believe you're correct. Now, this is where we had back-to-back weeks where there are uh, questions that were not resolved, but I think there's still an interesting discussion here real quick. June 7th, who will be the next Big Ten football coach to change jobs? No football coaches change jobs in the Big really? Ten. I guess that's right. And that's a second year in a row with no changes. What a solid, you know, Gene Smith called it a solid conference. And that's proof. Who did we pick though? Uh, Doug and I both picked Jeff Brom. Doug said, quote, his career is going in the toilet. If he stays at Purdue, Purdue went nine and four and had its best season. (laughs) 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 Steven, you picked James Franklin who got a massive contract extension. Who then got a massive contract extension. Uh, The other popular candidate, obviously that we talked about extensively was Jim Harbaugh. People might remember that this was the famous uh, on the couch, grabbing his keys, backing down the driveway. Mm formula that we came up with and uh we had brett bielema mike loxley mel tucker pat fitzgerald ryan day greg shano paul christ all being on the couch 
Tom Allen, Kirk Ferentz, PJ Fleck, Scott Frost, and James Franklin grabbing his keys and then backing down the driveway where Jim Harbaugh and Jeff Brom and all Jim Harbaugh did was go out and win the Big Ten, beat Ohio and, State. And try to, to get West. the Minnesota Vikings job, which yeah, would have still, made him still, the right answer. And still do all that while backing down the driveway. While if doing the, the Vikings would have said yes, Jim yeah. Harbaugh would be the correct answer. So basically, in another driveway, yeah. the lesson here for Big Ten football coaches is this. You want us to pick you because then you're going to have your best season ever. But here's the thing. All of us could still be correct. Well, two of us could still be correct. Yeah, James Franklin. Well, yeah, James Franklin's not going. Well, we but that that Penn State deal, I mean, it's like it has a, a reasonable buyout like after three years. It's not whatever right. it is. It's not quite as yeah, – but also but then, like stuff could happen. But, yeah, yeah, that uh, – Franklin probably is slightly less likely after the extension, but I wouldn't say it's impossible. Um, but I'm definitely – I'm definitely going to feel – I feel like your career is going down the toilet. Buckeye talk is – Special. Um, yeah, Jeff Brom. <laughs> Jeff Brom. If Jeff Brom walked up to me at Big Ten Media Days in July and was like, your career is going down the toilet, I'd be like, you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, who would you guys pick right now? Snap decision. Ooh. Next one to change job, snap decision, Tom Allen. Yeah. I think that's probably a good call um, because if, if unless Nebraska falls on space again this year, no, I'm not going there because nope, nope, because that would have made sense a year ago and they didn't do it. So, or I actually, I think after the decisions Nebraska's made, I think Mike Loxley might be closer to getting in the car and getting up out of here than Scott Frost is. Yeah, we'll yeah Nebraska has a new AD who's given like I think Scott Frost one year to see how he does and then mm, might yeah. decide. They had a weird year where it was like they were a bad record but more competitive. So does that mean you actually break through and win those games this coming year, mm-hmm. or did you miss your chance and you regress? We'll we'll see. And on June 14th, we predicted which Big Ten teams will make the first 12 team college football playoff in 2023 because that news had just leaked. Well, the very premise of that one is wrong because it's not going to happen in 2023. Although I guess now with all the changes that are floating around there, maybe that gets revisited. Um, Doug and uh, I both picked Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Steven, you picked Ohio State, Michigan, and Northwestern. So we'll just have to table that and see if that comes to fruition. But right now we don't expect there to be a 12-team playoff in 2023, correct? Correct. Correct. But also I'm a wild boy for picking Northwestern. You know, it's it's one of the two, or had been one of the two before Iowa finally broke through last year. So it it made sense to me. I think you were trying to look ahead to some things with schedules, and you saw that Northwestern had a a particularly favorable schedule that year. I'm not sure. Uh, Northwestern uh, Northwestern preview, by the way, on the Thursday pod coming next. Preview the Ohio State Northwestern game, week nine. Who you talk to? Uh, Louis Vacare, who's basically like the only person who covers Northwestern on a daily basis from the Mm -hmm. Northwestern Rivals site. He was really really good. So, yeah, just recorded that. And before we take a break, June 21st, which Ohio State player were block O in 2021? I think Stephen and I both got a little cute with this, although we decided the cute's not the right word. We maybe didn't take the most obvious choice in some ways, but I thought both the guys we picked made sense. I picked Tyreek Smith. He picked Haskell Garrett. But Doug correctly predicted Thayer Munford would wear block O in 2021. It's too, it's too right for Doug. That is. This is going so much better than I expected, but I know something's coming down the pike where it's like, 
who will be Ohio State's quarterback for the Michigan game? And I'm going to go on a 20-minute Quinn Ewers rant, and that's when I'm going to leave. So, like, I'm still reveling in uh, having two things that were not completely wrong. We actually didn't do that for Market on Monday. I think we Woo-hoo! we did some prediction stuff like that back in the spring. Oh, then that doesn't the count. Of- then that, well, there's no point. Right. This is the Market Down Monday revisiting. I'm sorry for bringing up uh, a different incorrect prediction that has no relevance to this podcast. So there's no reason to talk about it. From my recollection, I think I was the one who was leading Kyle McCord at one point, and you guys were more both Team Stroud, even whenever it was that we made that prediction. But by the end of the spring, I think we all had an inclination of where that was going. I think it wouldn't have been as interesting of a market down Monday at that point. So there is not a huge piece of Viewers Island that is going to be on this podcast? There's more Ewers Island coming. Crap. I almost swore. Okay. That's all I care. Like that, that investment property is what is haunting me. So it's like, I'm the, the longer we can stay away from that, the better. Okay. 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 It's coming. Okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm all right. I can handle it. I'm good. One more time. So we believe you. I can do it. I'm okay. I'll be fine. I'm okay. We're taking a quick break here and we're going to come back and there's going to be a a very quick Quinn Ewers uh, mention here on Buckeye Talk. Resuming our look back at the Market Down Monday predictions of 2021, on June 28th, when will Ohio State next lose a non-conference regular season game? Wow. Boom. What did we say, like 2039? It took a a one non-conference game to do it. The the next one. one. (laughs) The next one they play (laughs) is the answer. Oh, man. Oh. Doug, you predicted 2025 at Texas. Quote, that should be the first year Quinn Ewers is gone. Uh, okay. that, I'm sorry, that was 2025 versus Texas. I picked 2026 at Texas. Uh, Steven, I actually am realizing now that I forgot to write down what you said. But I, said I, know, you didn't say, <laughs> I know you did not say what the actual one was. I believe you might have predicted uh, – the Alabama, one of the Alabama games. Or was our texters, our texters pick um, was at Alabama 2028. 36% of them picked that at Texas 2026 was their second best choice, but they actually 10% of our texters predicted the Oregon game. Wow. Oregon home game last year would be their next loss. Um, I said during the pod quote, this almost feels like the vulnerable year because we had been seeing that we had been talking about that for a couple of years that 2021 seemed like, Oh, maybe that's where you're caught in the middle. But I also said, I don't think they're going to lose to Oregon. I literally said those words. Um, Doug, you put the threat level on the Oregon game at about 35% chance they lose, which again, I think was a healthy way to anticipate that. We just saw too many too many of the little things that we thought were going to go in Ohio State's favor. The, the start time of the game, the fact that it was at home, um, it, all these other things. You know, They've got a, a transfer quarterback coming in, and et, et cetera. And I, when none of us factored in the um, – the overriding thing that Ohio State would just have a really poor, poorly set up and, uh, and and strategized defense, and that would not be executed well, which I don't think we saw coming in June. I'm a little disappointed that none of us the whole the fact that it's a non-conference game at home. I mean, history over the last basically decade would suggest that Ohio State was going to lose that game because they haven't done well against non-conference yeah. Power Five opponents at home, and so I'm kind of shocked nobody picked Oregon for that reason even if that was their only reason I'm not shocked though because as we'll listen later like we were all expecting Ohio State to be a playoff team 
last mm. year. We were all expecting Ohio State to maybe be in the national championship game last year. And I think in that case, you don't think of them losing games at home to unless it was another playoff team, which I don't know that we were thinking of Oregon at that level. We thought they were going to be pretty good. They were going to give them a test. I don't know that we thought that more to the point. I don't even know that it was about it doesn't reflect what we thought about Oregon. It reflects that we did not anticipate Ohio State's floor just kind of dropping out on defense. But I do think, I mean, the two things that came true are things that we certainly talked about or could have seen, which is, A, there's questions about the defense, right, that there are questions about it, and B, the quarterback's young. Not mm-hmm. that he's not going to be good, but it's only his second start. And, you know, at the end of the game when maybe C.J. Stroud in week 11 would have found a way to pull that game out in week two, he throws a pick on the sideline at the end of the game that kind of seals it. That's not blaming C.J. Stroud, but young quarterback, questionable defense. I mean, those are the two things that happen. And it remains one of the craziest things that Oregon came to Ohio Stadium and won without their top 10 pick at defensive end playing a single snap. Like that is mm-hmm. that is still like yep. the craziest thing that it's like, oh, Oregon's got this guy. I mean, that's the guy. That's the guy. And it's like, oh, they didn't, they didn't need him. They were fine. So, yeah, nuts. On July 6th, Stephen, you can you can take a break here. You were gone, uh, you know, t- tearing the crust off of pizza somewhere. July 6th, uh, Tyler Shoemaker joined Doug and I to predict Big Ten and national win totals. Doug and I both, we both, we each picked five. Uh, Doug and I went one and four and Tishu went 0 oh and five. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's real? just a massacre. It's just a massacre. I picked, Ohio, uh, I picked USC over eight and a half. They won four. I picked Northwestern over six. They won three. I picked Iowa State over nine and a half. They won seven. I picked Washington over nine. They won four. The one I got right was Nebraska under six. They only won three, but they should have probably won six. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to, I mean, that's, that's barely correct. Doug, you predicted that Maryland would win more than, more than five and a half. They won seven. That's the one I got right. Okay. Yes. And it, I think that it probably had to have included a bowl win right there, but there were six and six and won a bowl game. So, but all these, but all these totals are usually like regular season win totals, right? And so, yeah, and in Oklahoma, yeah. Oh, so I guess I would actually also be lost then. No, but if oh, I you said got, over yeah, five, you got five and a half, six, yeah, that would have been six, yeah, barely. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma over eleven, they won eleven, so that's a push. But you also marked them down to go undefeated. Okay. In the same breath, so. Oh, but they won eleven with the bowl game, or they they won eleven uh, in the regular yeah, I, season. I, I believe so because I think, yeah, I think it had to be with Bullwin. Georgia uh, over 10 and a half. Uh, they won 14. Oh, I'm sorry. You got that one right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. You did better. You did better. That's a, so one of my losses is a push and one of my losses is a win. Okay. So I'm 2 0 and 1. Okay. Uh, you took a Clemson Alabama parlay on both being under 11 and a half. You were correct on Clemson by a game and a half. They only won 10. You were wrong on Bama. Again, those are including postseason. So, uh, but I don't think that, but I think, but that's not what those bets are. Those bets are, I think, regular season win totals. So I think Bama 11 and a half is if you're going over, you're taking them to go 12 and 0 and be undefeated. I think that's a win for me because they lost a game in the regular season. Okay. Yeah. You you might be right. You said I went one and four. I went four, oh, and one. I, I, yeah, I, I went by the, 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 the final season win totals. I think you're right. I think they are, they are regular season totals. And Cincinnati. So just uh, again, what, no, uh, this is my Cincinnati one too. Okay. What, what Cincinnati I say under 10 and they won. Oh, uh, I said under 10. Yes. And they won oh, 12. In the regular season. Went to the playoffs. So, but, but actually I won money. 
Because my yeah. I thought my big thing was I thought Clemson and Bama were both going to lose in the regular season when the numbers were like, if you want to win money on them in the regular season, you've got to think they're going to go undefeated. And I both thought they were going to lose and they both did. So, okay. I'll for some reason, it. I, yeah, for I'll some reason, I thought it. I was looking at Georgia over 10 and a half as Georgia under 10 and a half. That's the one where I, I was completely wrong. So about. I believed in Georgia. Okay. So that's yeah. good. That's good for Dougie. Okay. I'll take it. But Sorry, T-Shoe, you actually did better. Yeah. T-Shoe, um I know T-Shoe I mean, was not, big on Washington and did he's not, not here to defend that. himself. He, he and I both had the same Washington one. He barely missed on Wisconsin, which he had over nine and a half and they were nine. The, the, the really bad ones were Michigan under seven and a half and Michigan state under four and a half. And they combined to win whatever it was, 21 regular season games or whatever it was. So, um, but I, again, he, I reached out to him just kind of just saying like, Hey, you should get a chance to speak up for yourself. You won't be on the pod. And he was like, um, there were a bunch of other predictions he got right. Um, those were just happened to be like the worst ones he made before the year. But uh, he said that when you're doing what he does and you're going by, you're really trying to break into the numbers the 2020 there was a lot of noise in the numbers yeah you're trying to apply those to 2021 and i think that threw him and and people who do what he does off so uh july 12th this is uh, uh one where it was only steven making a prediction because i think i was gone who will be ohio state's next commit at that point so as of july whatever you guys are recording that who would be the next ohio state player to commit <laughs> oh, way off of that one you had three finalists steven do you remember who they might have been at that point um I know one for sure was Xavier Wampa, who Ohio State just completely fumbled the bag on. Um, this one's kind of not fair because George Fitzpatrick, I think, committed like a day before we did this. So I'll say Chris McKellen, McClellan, who ended up committing to seven different schools before he ended up at Florida. And I can't think of the last one. So your your three finalists were Chris McClellan, who went, who is yeah. now at Florida, Cam Dewberry, offensive lineman, oh, who went to Texas A and M, and then the one that you marked it down on though was Xavier Nwangpa, who is now at Iowa. So it it does it, it, your thinking was correct. You thought it was going to be a big defensive line class. Mm-hmm. You thought Ohio State needed an offensive tackle. You thought Ohio State needed big time safeties. That's who you were assuming they'd be able to get something done, and mm-hmm. neither, none of those three things happened. With within that, with those specific guys. So who was the next? Who was the next commit? Honestly, I don't know that. I don't know who the next one chronologically was to commit. I uh, I can't can't remember. On time constraints, I ran out. But I mostly wanted to emphasize that Stephen was zero for three there. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, hold on. Yeah, let me. Xavier Wampa fumbled the bag. Cam Dewberry fumbled the bag. Chris McClellan, mad momentum. I'm not going to say fumbled the bag. I just think both sides went mutually in different directions. But two out of three, Ohio State fumbled the bag. Man, two of those three positions, wouldn't you say Ohio State's recruiting class lacked uh, because they couldn't get players like that? Not so much yes. defensive line, but the other two. Especially safety, especially now we know they have a safety-driven defense and because we're still talking about Ohio State's tackle problem. Here, here's another fun one. July 19th was our Big Ten predictions show. It was when mm. you were running down the um, Ohio State uh, Big Ten preseason poll and how we had voted in that. Okay. Um, which we'll have to do again, which we'll have to do mm-hmm, again. Yep. That'll be coming up sooner than later. Yep. Um, I predicted two Big Ten wins for Michigan State. No, I'm sorry. Doug <laughs> predicted Doug predicted two Big Ten wins for Michigan State. I predicted they would go 0-9 in the Big Ten. Wow. Okay. 
Uh, and Mel Tucker still took my call in uh, yeah. November or whatever that was because he doesn't listen to Buckeye talk and doesn't <laughs> care what I predicted. <laughs> um, all of us predicted Wisconsin would win the West. They probably should have. They came yeah, down to the last right game. Came down last game. They blew it. Um, Doug and I predicted I would have finished second. Iowa won the West. We all predicted Ohio State to win the East. None of us predicted Michigan to finish higher than Doug. You picked them third. I picked them fourth. Stephen picked them fifth. Okay. Who did we think that – How were we high on Indiana or were we out on Indiana going into last year? Like who did we have second? I think that Penn State? Stephen, you, Stephen and I had Indiana third. Yeah. You okay. had them fourth. So sense. we weren't high on them, but we didn't predict – what they were, which is zero and nine, right? Okay, we didn't predict the cratering, but that was, you know, we couldn't have foreseen that Michael Penix would be both bad and hurt yeah. all year, and that they would have like, you know, try to send a walk on out against Illinois or Ohio State in the monsoon or whatever it was, and would you know, there were a lot of factors there that contributed to them being zero and nine. But they, we, we had started to pull back from them. We weren't somebody who thought that they had like yeah. jumped up and and established themselves at the top of the East or anything. Okay. Yeah, I went from them finishing third to Ohio State's going to have 45 points with them in the first half. Right. Right. After things Gross. went sideways. And yeah. So who do we have finishing? Who do we have second in the East? Penn State? Unanimously, we picked Penn State to finish okay. second in the East. Yeah. Okay. We thought Penn State and Michigan both had weird 2020s. We thought Penn State would get it back together more so than Michigan. And it turned out it was the other way around. Correct. Yes. Uh, on July 26th, which players will earn a tree in Buckeye Grove in 2021? That's basically being first team All-American on any credible list. Uh, Doug, you predicted Thayer Munford, Zach Harrison, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You were right on three of those. Zach Harrison was not a first team um, uh, all big or uh, first team All-American on any list. I predicted Olave, Munford, and Haskell Garrett. So I was right about Olave and Munford. Steven, you predicted Munford. Harrison and Alave. So you're right about Munford and Alave. None of us predicted Nicholas Petit Frere or Noah Ruggles to be first team all Big Ten on any credible list. And so those were the other two. They were I think, first team all American. First team all American. Yeah. yeah. So okay. first team all American. So there were five first team all Americans last year on any of the, you know, recognized lists. Not just the five that go to consensus, but they, they, so like Noah Ruggles was first team, I think, from ESPN. Yeah. Those, those mm-hmm. usually get you a, a tree in Buckeye Grove in 2021. No Ruggles is sneaky. Those special teamers, they sneak in sometimes. No Ruggles is a, is a sneaky pick on a lot of stuff. Well, I'm trying to remember, like we barely even knew Noah Ruggles at that point because he was a late and his, everything happened with him late. I can't remember how late it was that he signed. It was I don't, here for the spring last year. He wasn't no, here. He was not here no. for the spring last when, year. When did we do this one again? July 26th. He'd been on the roster for two weeks. Because I remember being at a camp and like going up to somebody and being like, hey, is this real? They're like, yeah, that's all I can say to you though right now. I was like, cool. Okay. Interesting. All right. We're taking one more break. We're going to come back and finish up the carnage of our Market Down Monday predictions in 2021. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. On August 2nd last year, this this ties into the – in retrospect, the, the non-conference loss question, what will be the closest game on Ohio State's 2021 schedule? All of us correctly predicted Oregon. Oh. We all said that that would be the closest game, which in in retrospect, it officially is. I mean, it was a one-touchdown game. Yeah. 
So, so none of us the thought game. they would lose to Oregon, but we all thought it would be a game against Oregon. All right. I'll tell you what. You have used the word carnage and imbecile and numbskull and ding dong. Any of those and, things. And I said carnage. Incompetent and ridiculous and whatever the words you've used to describe this podcast. This is going so much better it than is. I anticipated. As I tell my children, expect the worst, hope think- for the best. I can't believe this is not more on fire than it is. Like it's it's not we're, we're not looking like nin- Ooh, nincompoops, a good word. We're not looking like complete nincompoops yet, are we? A, a coach once told me it's not your wins that you remember. It's the losses that really hang with you. And I think maybe that's, it's just a different mindset you and I have, Doug. Like I'm not going to cherish wins when the, there's these heartbreaking losses that I was so, so completely wrong about. Am I, do I feel like I deserve more credit for saying that Oregon would be the closest game on Ohio State's schedule than I deserve blame for saying Michigan State would go 0-9 in the Big Ten? Well, I will say, I think we're more on the hook for any predictions about Ohio state than we are anything else. That's because true. that's yeah. what we're supposed to know about, but it's not like anybody. It was, it, I'm just waiting for you to be like, and Doug, uh, when we said, who's going to get a tree, you said legend Cavazos, you know, like I get like, there's none of those. <laughs> right. I mean, this is again, the Quinn Ewers thing. Quinn Ewers haunts me still. So that, um, but it's like the general vibe. There's a couple things. Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is that was just an, an amazing season. But I've, I'm feeling so – I'm so glad I stuck around instead of bailing 15 minutes in. This has been great. Woo. Like, like fifth, whatever it is, it's like, oh, you were 38% correct. I'm like, 38%? I will take that every day of the week. You shoot 38% from three-point range, you're considered a sniper. I love where your head's at, Stephen. We we're snipers. Are, we are yeah. sniping on this. Look, we are, we are, na- are long-range threats. We are firing away. We are – Nothing but net. We're shooting from half court, man. We're on the logo. Well, we're not on the logo. Yeah, no. I'm not going to go that far. Don't leave me open in the corner. That's where That's I'm right. at with it. We put this out to the Texans who basically gave them the whole schedule. They predicted 14% uh, said IU would be the closest game. That was the game at Bloomington, Michael Penix, what he had done in uh, Ohio State in the year before. I get it. Only 7% said they thought the Michigan game would be the closest game on the schedule, mm. which I guess makes sense considering just the how how lopsided those last couple games had been in that series. But uh, as it turns out, Ohio State loses to Michigan by 15. We also at some point in that episode had a discussion about whether Ohio State would lose a regular season game while Quinn Ewers is in college. Which remains to be seen, but he won't have anything to do with it. Because he really wasn't in college last year. He was at Columbus High finishing his senior season. So it kind of doesn't count, but yeah. But he was there. He he did see those two losses happen in a Buckeye uniform. But as of August 2nd, I don't think he was on the roster, right? That didn't really happen for another couple weeks. Right. So we weren't talking about it happening again, even when when Quinn Ewers, you know, he wasn't on the roster yet. So. Uh, the one we did on August 9th, I'm actually holding because it was who will win Ohio State's preseason position battles. I didn't go back through because it's actually kind of gets in the weeds a little bit. I want to save that for when we have that same discussion coming up in a couple of weeks about the next preseason position battles, if we even see any on the horizon for, for this year as we go into the preseason. Uh, on August 16th, who will lead Ohio State in rushing yards, tackles, and sacks? Okay. Again, big wins here. Everyone predicted. Trevion Henderson would lead this team in rushing. Which I think 
most people listening would have predicted that as well. We all knew, like, this is the guy, this is the guy. But if there was a stray, like, well, you know, he's a true freshman. I really think Master T, like, somebody could have come out of left field with something there. So I'm kind of glad nobody did. For the tackles, I put out a list to all of the tech subscribers to vote on. These were the players that I put on the list. Dallas Gant, Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, Taraja Mitchell, Lathan Ransom, Cody Simon, Craig Young. And I apologized because I thought it was potentially important that I had left off Palaie Neatote, the fourth. Mm. Okay. So did anyone, did the, how were the textures on Ronnie Hickman? Did they, did they like that? Did they vote for him? Well, by um, 55% of the texture vote went to Taraja Mitchell, which is who you and I picked it, picked to lead Ohio State in tackles. And, Steve and that was, was incorrect. Was that incorrect? That was Taraja Mitchell did not lead Ohio State in tackles. No. Okay. And uh, uh, Cody Simon was Steven's pick. He was obviously on Simon Island already. And uh, Ronnie Hickman led his team in tackles with 100. I didn't I don't know what the percentage was of the textures to pick that. But overwhelmingly, we were expecting this to be a. A, a linebacker still led um, defense in some ways. And I don't put that on us so much. I think that speaks to, again, kind of the, the underlying problem with that defense last year that they, they either for injury or ineffectiveness could not find a solution at that position. Some, when I sent out that list um, I quoted some, a, a texter had sent back to us like, man, I knew we had lost a bunch of, linebackers and stuff but when i saw this list you sent i was like i had to like take a step back and maybe it like it was almost like a a, a forewarning for them yeah that this might be a problem for what it's worth we aren't that far off like ronnie hickman is just so far out there but it's like the next like four guys are tommy eichenberg bryson shaw cody simon still chambers to roger mitchell so it's I not like we pick somebody who was like roger Taraja Mitchell was sixth on this team in tackles. I can't believe that's the, like, he wasn't playing at the end of the year yeah. and he was still sixth on the team in tackles, but yeah. we didn't have Bryson Shaw on this list because we had Josh Proctor. So if you switch right. those, that makes a difference. And who is, mm-hmm. who was second? You said I can, I can Cause he had like 15. No. Yeah. And like a lot of that is cause he had 15 tackles in the Rose bowl. Like Cody Simon was a, was second on this team in tackles right. for most of the year. Right. And, and, and right. And if you, if you take that out, then, then Simon, mm-hmm. it, it looks right. So again, the, the, maybe the final results are a little bit skewed by things that were out of anybody's control as of August 16th. Cody Simon is a pretty good pick by Steven. That's the, that's the pretty good. Again, he was on Simon Island for a while where Cody Simon was when we were doing this in August, that that was a much better pick than Taraja Mitchell. And like, again, in a normal world where more people are healthy and stuff, he would have finished second. It was definitely it was a little bit of a bolder pick, too, because I think as again, as of August 16th, I don't know that we were 100 percent sure Cody Simon was the starting Mike linebacker on this team. So right. um, if he doesn't get hurt, who knows how that turns out? We at some point, Doug made one of the most stupefying statements um, of, of things I was reading back through, which was that pudding is better than ice cream, which oh started God. a whole which started a whole back and forth. I can um, taste pudding in my mouth right now. It's so good. Interesting. I, I, I at least said, I think that that's lunacy, but I do like pudding. And I, I tried to stand up for tapioca in particular, in which case Steven said, quote, with every snack y'all name, you get older and older. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and here we are a year later, almost a year later, and we are older and older. I'm now a father. It's just, it's, it's, it, we can't man. escape the, the march of time, and I'm going to go have some tapioca for lunch, I think. You know what's really good is bread pudding, because bread Please pudding. stop this. <laughs> well, bread pudding, first of all, it's like it's bread, and it's but pudding. Bread not, that's not but even pudding. When you're talking about pudding, no, I, think I know. you're talking about like chocolate butterscotch. But my children, are, we, we were when we were on vacation, there was a bread pudding offering and I love bread pudding and people are thrown off by the name bread pudding. It's so horribly named. I assume it was named by the British. It's just like undercooked cake. It's like a pastry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's so moist. It's so delicious. And it has nothing to do with pudding, frankly. But, it's more like a zucchini bread or a, something along that family. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and then you, there's usually like, you know, there's like a white chocolate drizzle on it or caramel like or something. It's a cinnamon roll almost. Bread, yeah, it's it's so soft and moist. Bread pudding is delicious, horribly named, much like Rutgers. You, you rename Rutgers, you rename bread pudding, you're good to go. But I stand by, I again, I'm flying high. I stand by my statement about pudding. So anyway. It's it's just as wrong now as when you said it last August 16th. Uh, who will lead Ohio State in sacks? Here's one where we were wrong about who we picked, but very correct in some of our analysis of what it meant for the team. We all picked Zach Harrison. He did not lead Ohio State in sacks. Ohio State's sack leader was Haskell Garrett with five and a half. We had a discussion about how Ohio State probably needed an eight to ten sack guy to reemerge that had been, you know, in, in 2020. Tommy Togia, I think maybe led with three sacks It all happened in the same game or something, or maybe somebody had three and a half, but it was definitely a, a, a topic of conversation across the team coming into the season. And uh, there were only five players in the big 10 that had eight or more sacks. And four of them came from two teams. It was Hutchinson and Onjabo from Michigan and uh, Herbig and Chanel from Wisconsin. And um, we had a, a sort of a discussion about if the truly crucial number was how many the, the number two guy had. But Doug, you said, quote, if they don't have a guy with more than five sacks, they're not going to the playoff. Haskell Garrett led with five and a half sacks and they did not go to the playoff. Hmm, pretty good. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. There's some of this stuff. When you look back on these defensive names and defensive numbers, it really, it's like, Oh, why didn't Ohio State go to the playoff last year? It's like, man, they, they really have some room to grow this year that there think, is a chance, a real chance for them to make a really big leap. Cause it's just not the Ohio state standard. I think what's even more telling is three of the top five are true freshmen. It's Garrett, Talik Williams, JT Tuimaloa, Tyreek Smith and Jack Sawyer. Yeah. Like that's not cutting it. I, I'm a little surprised that none of us, that nobody predicted Tyreek Smith last year at this time with the sacks because there we had some mm. there was some Tyreek momentum from some of us at various times I think so I'm a little surprised yeah. that all three of us picked Zach Harrison but all of us were also kind of on as Steven said the, the way they were talking about Zach Harrison there's a lot of belief that he was maybe going to make a big jump last year yeah that I think that was still just controlling a lot of that conversation August 23rd who will win the Heisman Trophy and who is the Big Ten's best candidate I actually didn't write down that second one because we actually were still mostly talking about it from an Ohio state standpoint, like CJ Stroud was, he was already out there in the odds. I think he had the best odds among big 10 players He's around fourth to sixth. We talked a little bit about Trevion Henderson. We talked a little bit about the receivers. Um, I was expecting to list them back to it and hear Doug make a case for Garrett Wilson, but you were actually putting out Chris Olave as maybe being Ohio state's Heisman contender at that point going into the season. CJ Stroud had just the day that we recorded that, Ryan Day had said that he had separated 
in the quarterback mm-hmm. race. It was not until a little bit later that he was officially named the starter. Um, Doug, do you remember who you predicted would win the Heisman Trophy? I think Sam Howell. Is that right? You and, you and I predicted North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell. Steven, do you remember who you predicted? Bijan Robinson. Texas running back Bijan Robinson. None of them went to New York. <laughs> Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy Alabama quarterback. And August 30th, will Ohio State make its third playoff appearance under Ryan Day? All of us predicted Ohio State would be the number two seed mm. in the playoff. Right, if it hadn't been snowing that day. Well, that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's terrible, uh, what is that? Is that the, the official Ohio State line? That is a couple guys, a couple guys didn't have the flu and it didn't snow. Yeah. They would have won the national championship. Uh, if Michigan didn't have Aiden Hutchinson and yeah. David Ajabo and Dax Hill and Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins, Ohio Damn State would have been the number two seed. But um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like it's, they, on one hand, it's like, well, they didn't even make the playoff. But on the other hand, like, they were on track to be exact. As true, to your point, Stephen, they were on track to be that. Mm-hmm. Like, going to Ann Arbor, it looked like we all might be exactly right. And if, you know, in retrospect, if they hadn't lost to Oregon and they're undefeated going into the Michigan game, I think they're still one of those four seeds and they still make it in. It's one of those things that's like, they lost two games. Like the analysis in the end is like, we thought they'd be the two seed. They lost two games and they missed the playoff. But if they hadn't lost two games, they would have been. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so, but, but, but both, both losses in the end, I think the thing you do have to say about that Ohio State season, it's not the Purdue loss. It's not the Iowa loss. It's not even like the Virginia Tech loss, right? Those losses in the end were pretty legit. The Oregon, for Ohio State's failings, mostly at that time. And, you know, Joe Moorhead and um, C.J. Verdell and uh, Noah Sewell and the guys who made play for Oregon. But that was more about Ohio State, right? That was legit. Like, Ohio State legitimately lost that game in week two. And then the Michigan game, that was a really good Michigan team. Like, a lot of people would have lost to Michigan on that day, the way Michigan played, and especially in those conditions, right? So, I mean, I think there's in the end, yes, all they had to do was not lose one of those games, but I don't, nobody would look and say, oh my gosh, play that. If you play that game over, Ohio State's going to win it nine out of 10 times. I mean, there were real things that happened on the football field. I think both, both games, the way the game unfolded, the right, like the right team won both those times. And it wasn't Ohio State. I only predicted, we did give our, our four seeds. I only predicted one team actually all of us only predicted one team that actually made the playoff mine was alabama which was the one seed but i picked them to be the four and you both correctly predicted georgia to make the playoff you both had them as the one seed which they weren't having just lost to alabama but they did win the national championship so you get like some kind of partial credit for that. they were the ones i mean they were the one seed the whole year right yeah. right before the sec champion they were the one seed the whole year and at the end of the year just not the week that the seeds actually came out because they had just lost mm-hmm. So, Doug, I think you're probably right. Maybe I was a little too harsh starting this off. That's the last one, by the way. August 30th was the last one led us into the the start of the regular season. And if you take out the things that were very national, you know, trying to pick uh, national over under one win loss totals, although you did pretty well at that, like some of those things skewed. um, But the things that we got wrong about Ohio State, 
were things that, um, especially when it came to like picking defensive things, stuff like that. Like it was, there were, we, I don't, we just hadn't seen yet that team get on the field and see some of the underlying problems. I know that we were talking, uh, I, like I said, I, I, I glossed over the, the position prediction thing, but when I, I was listening through part of that and we were all like, um, well, there's, I mean, there's no problem at cornerback, right? I mean, it's, it's seven banks and Cam Brown, like they've got two good cornerbacks. Right. And then like, uh, no, mm. well. <laughs> and there was just a lot of that stuff where we that far out, even just like a month out, some of those things were not staring us in the face yet. It would seem like the explanation for things were maybe stupider than the actual predictions that if that's the case, because we maybe. clearly and, should have been worried about Cam Brown and seven banks and, and, and things like like Jackson Smith and Jigba, no matter yeah. how how optimistic you were about Jackson Smith and Jigba, you weren't going to see that sort of result coming. I think at, at some point, Stephen, you had done some math and you had come up with you were like combining uh, the numbers of Smith and Jigba and Jamison Williams from 2020. And you came up yeah. with like 33 catches for 355 yards and five touchdowns. And we're like, well, that's probably like a good over under to set for Jackson to Jigba. He just tripled every, <laughs> except the touchdowns, but like just tripled the receptions went like five times on the yards. I don't think there was any way to see that coming, especially Doug, when you're your, your point that the a huge chunk of that came when Wilson didn't play. And, and listen, the, the thing about, so I think some people view us as like, quote negative about Ohio state compared to some other people, um, which is probably fair, a fair assessment. Some people don't like that. Some people do, but I think sometimes we're more maybe circumspect, but even within that it's Ohio state. And even with NIL, they're still amateur athletes. And the proof is like Ohio state's usually pretty darn good. So you almost always lean good. Right. I mean, yes. nine yes. and three, Doug, aside, you almost always lean good. And so the idea of like, hey, we missed on, you know, we thought they'd be fine at corner because they had seven banks and Cam Brown. I mean, if we would have been here saying like, I don't know, like, because we were like, we definitely had discussion on this podcast when people had seven banks in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. And we were like, I don't know about that. But if we would have been like, hey, there's going to be some weird combination of like injury and maybe just some off field stuff where like he's going to be a non-factor. And then their receiver, like they're, and I don't really believe in Ryan Watts or Legend Cavazos, and I think they're in trouble. Like there's just, you just wouldn't have gone there because there wasn't a lot of proof like to back that up, right? And so I do think, you know, we were kind of like, I don't know. I don't think Master Teague and Mayan Williams are it. Like it's going to be Travion Henderson. Like you got to have special guys. Oh, well, that was right. And like, oh, well. You know, we do have some questions about the defense, but they're probably still good enough because Ohio State's defense almost always is good enough. And even in 2020, when the defense wasn't very good, they made the national championship game. So I do still think with a team like Ohio State, you tend to assume it'll be fine because it almost always is. So everybody, I mean, if you if every year you predict Ohio State to go undefeated and win the Big Ten, you're you're gonna be that's a pretty good hit ratio, of the time, right? Yeah. And it's be like, well, I predicted them to go to 12 and 0 and they were 11 and 1, you know, like whatever, but I predicted them to win the Big Ten and they did. So 
you know, it's sort of hard to get yourself away from that. And it's not like we, I don't think even if people view us as negative or circumspect that we're like looking for reasons to pick against Ohio state, you know? So even it's like, well, you know, the quarterback's young and the defense has questions and I don't know, but there's still Ohio state. It's I'll tell you what, man, having been there, having been there as nine and three, Doug, it's not easy to pick Ohio State to lose multiple games in a regular season. They lost two regular season games last year. Do you know how crazy that is? Like, they never do that. So, I mean, you can, it's, it's a very weird thing when we look back on that year that on one hand, they were right there. And on the other hand, they lost two regular season games for a program that very rarely in the last decade has lost two regular season games. So, that's the reality. I, I don't think any of us are probably going to predict them to lose two regular season games this year. And if any of us do, I think a lot of people listening will be like, what? So if any of us were to come on here last year and be like, man, I, 10 and two, I think a lot of people would have been like 10 and two. Yeah, that's so almost it. as bad as nine and three, Doug, but it would have been yeah. right. Yeah. You got to sell it and you, you better have a darn good explanation for it. You can't. Yeah, like, I, well, with if you just if I just come on here and go, Ohio State's going to win a national championship this year, okay, cool. I, I, we do see that blowback sometimes from from some of the texters, uh, and I, I think you know, again, at the end of the day, we're still picking Ohio State to be the number two seed in the playoff and like play for national championship stuff. Even when we were pointing out some of the things that we were concerned about coming into the year, I think you know we want to be able to have conversations about the recruiting where we don't just look at the the total uh, star accumulation or whatever, without looking at whether or not they address specific huge needs in the class, like things like that. I think that's an important part of the analysis. I hope people can appreciate that at the end of the day. Anything else you guys want to say about last year's market on Mondays, as we embark on a, a, a new schedule of them going into the 2022 season? Yeah. I mean, did you think the categories were pretty decent? Like I imagine, like you said, we'll revisit some of the same kind of things um, because it's just a good way to sort of analyze the season. But I, I yeah. like Market Down Monday, but I also think it's important to do this. Yeah, I think because we started them on May 10th last year, and we're going to be starting them in mid-July this year. It is going to be truncated. So there's going to be some things that we did that we won't revisit this year, but we'll be able this one this year's uh, list will be much more focused about what's I think right in front of this team. Like who's going to, who's going to do this, who's going to be that um, who's going to win what like that, that's going to be the ne- the focus over those like six or seven that we were able to do. I'll just say the one thing I am proud of, I didn't have a prediction last year. That was probably crazier, crazy in the moment. And then even crazier in hindsight, like me picking Baron Browning to lead this team in sacks. So I'm proud of what I presented to the table last year. Hopefully I can keep up that streak. Surprised you even brought that up. People had just forgotten that. And now, and, and like, even, okay. Like the recruiting thing, like it, that's such an unpredictable thing, it, it, yeah, especially yeah. in the middle of July. Teenagers, it's, man. <laughs> well, but especially at certain times of the year, it's easier to predict who's going to be the next commitment than others. Yes. Sometimes you already know that someone has committed and just hasn't announced it. And you can, that's maybe not as true in the, at the end of July as it is in the middle of June or whatever. So. And, and sometimes if you're in our system, you can just see all the things are pre-written correct it's been fun (laughs) also baker mayfield just got traded he did really yeah it's carolina for for a conditional fifth round pick interesting are you going to mark down uh who the browns quarterback will be on opening day oh we all agree on that 
it's not going to be number four. Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, it's Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Who the quarterback is going to be like in December is a different question. But I'm going to tell a quick Jacoby Brissett story. I was in Boston to cover the NCAA tournament. I had a friend who had some friends who were from Boston. This guy was like literally like a Boston firefighter and just spoke with like the most Boston accent, big Patriots fan. And a conversation starting about the Patriots and the Colts. And this is when the Colts were sort of in the, in limbo with some Andrew Luck stuff. And I just, a conversation ended with this guy going like, I'll tell you this, Jacoby Brissett is not the effing answer. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's like five years later, the Browns are going to, Jacoby Brissett to start this thing off. Yeah, it's a it's a the the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I hadn't been on it for a long time because I was leaning in here while you were out, Nathan, and uh, I was just on it. Actually, we recorded one Wednesday morning that probably gets punted now that Baker Mayfield got traded. But it's just it's such like a tense vibe talking about the Browns. Cause like there's the football part of it and there's a lot of good football stuff. And it's just this, this thing that hangs over um, the whole operation, you know, in a way that it's not fun. How would you, uh, I think this is an interesting thing to talk about real quick. How would you compare that to the start of the 2018 Ohio state season? Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, similar. The thing and and I don't want, you know, there's no reason to get into a big thing. I do think there's a difference between the, a person who is alleged to have committed acts and then the people around them who maybe excused it, maybe didn't act correctly in punishing them, maybe sort of dismissed somebody. That Ohio State situation, the person, Zach Smith, who was alleged to have committed the acts was gone. So then it was a discussion about what should Urban Meyer and Gene Smith have done, had done instead. How did that affect it? But the the alleged, you know, and again, there were things alleged about Urban, how he handled that, but not the acts. This is the person with the Browns. The guy, the quarterback is the person alleged to have committed the act. So I just think it's more immediate. It's like it's so um, I just think I think that's different. But I I do think it's similar where you have this thing that is a real life situation that is affecting the football in a world where I do think people, and again, I think right now, especially the world is really complex. Sometimes I just think about like the way the world was like 10 years ago, you know, for a lot of people, just like the things that happen on a daily basis and sort of like what's happening now, pandemic, Ukraine, politics, all that kind of stuff, right? The world is pretty tense right now. And I think sports should be a refuge. That's why we don't typically talk about that kind of stuff because you have to be able to just relax and have a good time. And then when real life complicates your sports, when the world is already complicated, it's like, uh, like there's no escape. And I hate that for fans. I hate that for fans. And so on here, you know, we're talking about, you know, how good Paris Johnson is going to be playing left tackle. We can just let the football go. Yeah, there's NIL and transfer portal, but like conference realignment, whatever. That's still sports stuff. You know, everything about the Browns right now is this real life situation that is really difficult. People are divided on it. There's not a lot of clarity. There are a lot of questions. And I just hate it for sports fans. I hate it for sports fans because we should be a refuge from real life. And when real life is hanging over your sports, boy, that makes those sports sometimes a lot less fun. And again, that's not even the main point. The main point is the people who may have been 
negatively affected or harmed by the actions of somebody involved in sports. That's the real issue. It's not like, Hey, football's not fun. But again, there is a, there is a side effect to everybody who, who likes Ohio state or likes the Browns. And I, I, I sympathize with the fans because even though we're doing our jobs, there's these like daily non update updates that keep it just like Mm -hmm. sort of cloaked over everything you're trying to enjoy about the team. And I think they have to be reported on, but they don't have necessarily ever resolve anything. And it just is this, slog until you finally get to a resolution, which I think they know at the end of the day is going to be to some extent uncomfortable either way. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that there's no resolution and that, that I just, I just, I hate anything that divides fans because the whole thing about sports is that sports at its best is galvanizing and is unifying in a world where there's so much that divides us and there's, you know, but, but, doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter what your politics are. It doesn't matter what your religion is. If you like a sports team and someone else likes the same sports team, that binds you. And when that, when anything um, prevents that from happening or complicates that, I hate it for sportsmen. We are going to divide ourselves with what we mark it down for the 2022 season starting Monday. I don't have that a, a schedule yet, yet, but again, it's going to be every Monday going into the season. We'll have a new Market Down Monday topic. Thursday, come back for the Northwestern preview. And Friday, I think we're tentatively starting off kind of another season preview series that I think people are going to find really interesting that takes us into the year. Um, so stay tuned for that. But for now, I'm Nathan Baird, for Doug Lamerese and Stephen Beans. That was Buckeye Talk.